Welcome to another Marvel podcast. My name is Drew Gretsch, and today I am talking about Marvel's Daredevil Season 3, Episodes 1 through 13. We are completing our look back at the uh, story of Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock and Vincent D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk on Netflix. We're all caught up now. <laughs> uh, I'm recording this early. This It's Wednesday because uh, there is a pretty bad winter storm that's hitting the Midwest right now. So, uh, yeah, there's nothing going on today. So, I'm like, you know what? Let's let's get the uh, the Daredevil Season 3 podcast on early. And because we're doing it, it, it early. So, Marvel has this... Um, they have this really bad habit of dropping like six or seven huge news uh, stories right before I record and uh, earn like the first day or two. And because I, I usually do this on Friday or Saturday, um, it's Wednesday right now. There's nothing. So I'm recording this on Wednesday. It's 2 p.m. Central. So there's nothing really that's happening right now. Um, I'm going to do some plugs just at the front of the episode, though. Uh, this Saturday... I'm going to be on an episode of the Star Wars podcast, Lightsaber Radio, which I think is super cool. I, I'm not even sure what the topic is yet, but they reached out yesterday. Um, and they're like, hey, you want to be on an episode of the show? I'm like, yeah, I want to be on an episode of the show. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing on Saturday. Also, for Star Wars guys, I've got, um, well, the Book of Boba Fett episode six podcasts are both live, both are the instant take that I did with Yvonne at 3 a.m. this morning on, on Wednesday morning, I, I, I should say, that is out. As well as, I mean, hopefully it's going to sound really bad if this drops and we haven't recorded the um, the other episode yet, the, the one where it's like the full review. So, if it's not out yet, it's coming this weekend. And then also Monday is Star Wars Podcast Day, so I am going to be doing an episode all about what Star Wars means to me. I'm probably going to record that on Sunday. So yeah, a lot of podcasting I'm doing the next few days, guys, all for Star Wars. Not not as much for Marvel. We're on a bit of a Marvel break right now uh, in terms of new content, in terms of new content until Moon Knight, uh, which is next month. Moon Knight is next month. Now it's late next month. Uh, We're essentially just two months away from Moon Knight, but still, Moon. how many days do we have until... Uh, March 30th. Let's just days to March 30th. So as at the time of recording, we are 56 days away from Moon Knight, from the return of the MCU to Disney Plus. We're seven weeks away. Seven weeks away. We've only got one more episode of Boba Fett. And then we're going to have a six-week Disney Plus drought. There is a six-week Disney Plus drought. Wait, no, that's not, not true because we got... um. We have Marvel Assembled. We got the Assembled episodes for Hawkeye dropping. The one for Hawkeye drops on um, Wednesday. This coming Wednesday on February 9th. And then then February 16th, I believe, is the Eternals episode. One I'm super excited for. I'm super excited for that. Wait, let's let's actually see. Those may be flip-flopped. Marvel Studios Assembled. Yeah, the next one is Hawkeye, which releases on fe- on February 9th, and then the Eternals episode releases on February 16th. So yeah. Um no, we we do actually have some little bit of news, but this is just regarding 
the continued box office of of Spider-Man No Way Home. So let's just uh, let's, uh, check this out right here. So I'm just going to box office mojo, looking at Spider-Man No Way Home, looking at the title summary. Um, as of, you know, Wednesday, uh, February 2nd, $1.7 billion worldwide. $1.7 billion worldwide. It's broken a billion internationally. Internationally, it's broken a billion. So we can look at the um, the all-time charts. See if we can find the all-time uh, international charts because... No, because uh, a box office mojo will only give you uh, domestic, so U.S., and then worldwide. Um, but yeah, there are, how many movies have broken a billion world worldwide? It's not many. It's not many. Uh, just going through the list here, it shows um, it shows the fate of the furious from twenty seventeen. Uh, Furious Seven, so the Fat Fast and Furious Seven and Eight, uh, twenty fifteen. The Lion King, 2019, Jurassic World, 2015, Spider-Man No Way Home, 2021, Avengers Endgame, uh, uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Titanic, Avengers Endgame, and Avatar. Avatar actually made $2 billion, uh, internationally, which is crazy. And those aren't in order, it's just the order of how, um, of how Box Office Mojo showed them but oh my god this movie is in it, it is insane how much money it's, it's been making absolutely incredible i i thought you know i i'm gonna say that i had a fair hunch i i had a hunch that this movie was gonna pass a billion i thought it was gonna ju- i thought this movie was gonna just pass one billion I never anticipated a $1.7 billion total. And of course, the movie can still make more money. It can still make more money, but I don't see that as likely. I don't think that's likely just because, I, I mean, I, I, I think Spider-Man No Way Home's number one, uh, like Reign of being number one at the box office each weekend is coming to an end. It, it was taken down a peg by Scream a couple weeks ago, and then it jumped back up for the next two weekends. But, you know, we have Moonfall this weekend. That's totally going to win. Uh, we'll see what happens with, with Death on the, on the Nile. I'm assuming that's going to take the number one spot, or maybe not number two spot, because Disney's really not promoting it that much. But I've, I've also heard that Moonfall is awful. Um, And then February 18th, you know, we got Uncharted starring Tom Holland, which I'm pretty excited for. I think Uncharted looks like a lot of fun. And March 4th is the Batman. <laughs> March 4th is the Batman. Tickets go on sale February 10th. We are going to be covering it as, as a bonus episode on the podcast. So, yeah, I feel like now we've gotten all the um, the givens out of the way. All, all the given stuff is gone. Um, so let's just jump right in now to talking about the third and final season of Marvel's Daredevil. So, if you guys have not seen... Um, Daredevil, all three seasons, or the Defenders miniseries, or um, Spider-Man No Way Home, or Hawkeye. 
particularly the finale of Hawkeye. Um, I'd leave, but I mean, I'm assuming you guys listening to a Marvel podcast have at least seen No Way Home and, and Hawkeye, you know? So that's probably going to be what we go into spoilers for here. Um, but yeah, so the episodes we are talking about today uh, are season three, episode one, Resurrection, episode two, Please, episode three, No Good Deed, episode four, Blindsided, episode five, The Perfect Game, episode six, The Devil You Know, episode seven, Aftermath, episode eight, Upstairs, Downstairs, episode nine, Revelations, episode 10, Karen, episode 11, Reunion, episode 12, One Last Shot, and episode 13, A New Napkin. Whew. How many of these episodes are on, I'm just on, IMDb, on IMDb right now? How many of these episodes have I rated a 10 out of 10? Uh, I rated episode 4, 5, 6 at 10 out of 10. Same with 8 and 9. And then 11, 12, and 13. So I've rated 8 of the 13 episodes in this season as a 10 out of 10. It's a toss-up for me between Daredevil Season 3 and The Mandalorian Season 2 as, like, what is, in my opinion, as of right now, you know, the best season of TV I've ever seen. Um, bit of a Star Wars kick right now, given how great Chapters 5 and 6 of Book of Boba Fett were. Um, for more on that, listen to Tuscan Radio, my Star Wars podcast. Um, but Daredevil Season 3, the, the way that you can, the way that they were able to do the storytelling is shocking it is uh, i have no words for just how perfect this season is and when i finished it when we when my dad and i finished the show i'm like all right so the rumors are that you know and and i can confirm the these rumors as things i've heard as well that the Echo series on Disney Plus, the Hawkeye spinoff, is going to be a um, sort of soft reboot for the Daredevil characters. You know, like, as in, it th- 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 these shows are still canon, but they just probably won't be referenced. Again, I, I don't know. All I know is that um, in the Echo series, it's going to have Charlie Cox, for sure. It Charlie Cox is 100% in on this show. Uh, I believe Vincent D'Onofrio is as well, and he says that he's not been contacted. I, I, we're just at a point where we truly cannot trust anything an, an actor says anymore. We, you know, I actually took a list of just from what I remember of like Marvel actors lying. Um, so just going through here, we have um, uh, Paul Rudd in Ant Man. He always said that he he said that he wasn't gonna star in it and then you know he's ant-man bendit cumberbatch in, in doctor strange that was going to be uh joaquin phoenix for a while and then he was like i don't want to do com- comic book movies and then he's like the second best joker ever you know uh brie larson in captain marvel she uh was denying her involvement uh tatiana maslani in the upcoming she hulk series it was leaked by deadline which if there's something that's coming to us from like deadline or Hollywood Reporter, or Variety. Just one more. Um, Deadline, Hollywood Reporter, Variety, 
I think The Wrap might be one as well. Um, Entertainment Weekly also is pretty good. Um, if it's coming from, like, one of those big trades, then you know it's most likely, like, confirmed. It It, it is essentially a confirmation coming from something like Deadline or The Hollywood Reporter. Um, but yeah, but Ruffalo congratulated her on it. And then she was like, yeah, I- I'm not in the show. And then it was confirmed Tatiana Maslany is She-Hulk. And then there's, you know, just moving into re- into more recently, this past summer, uh, Jonathan Majors continue like after he'd been announced as Kang for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania all these r- rumors and theories when Loki sorry oh that's the other thing the one piece of news we forgot to mention or should say I, I forgot to mention is Loki season two starts filming this summer I believe in June so what that could be is you know it's about a year I, th- I think it's about a year between when these shows start filming and when they release, I think Hawkeye was like 11 months, but it's been hard to tell really just because of the pandemic, um, just shutting down production. But we will see Loki season two, probably summer 2023. That's also when Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania comes out. So what what could be really cool is seeing either Loki season two lead into Ant-Man three or have Ant-Man 3 lead into Loki 2. Given the fact that they've already wrapped on Ant-Man 3, I'm going to pro and I really think it could go either way. I really think it could go either way because they they'd want to like wrap up a story in a movie, I think. I I don't think they want to have a story start in a show and then be continued in a movie and then end in the second season of that show. I don't think they want to do that, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. All I, I think it's pretty safe to say, though, that Loki season two and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania are going to have significant tie-ins with each other. So just purely because of Kang. So, yeah, but Jonathan Majors was always saying that he wasn't going to be in Loki and then he was in Loki. And then uh, the big ones, you know, Haley Seinfeld was saying that she, that uh, nothing was official yet with her being at Kate Bishop and Hawkeye. We've seen Hawkeye. We know that she's the main star of the show. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was always saying that he wasn't going to be playing Fisk in Hawkeye. And then he played Fisk in, in Hawkeye. Here are the big ones now. <laughs> Charlie Cox in Spider-Man No Way Home. Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man No Way Home. Andrew Garfield in Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, the thing with, like, Charlie Cox, though, is I don't really know that he was always lying. Because we're not entirely sure on when he filmed his scene. Because there was... Because he canceled um, a convention appearance back in August due to scheduling things and he wasn't filming anything at the time and people were like oh he's shooting for no way home so that could have like he was lying in like september october october no november for certain for certain he was 
But, like, we go back to, like, two years ago and, like, when he said in April 2020 when he, that he's like, I'm not in the movie, guys. I, I'm done as Daredevil. If they're doing it, it's not with me. And that made me so sad. That made me so sad. I remember just two years ago when, when he said that. Um, just because of how much I always loved that series and that, and that character. So, yeah, I don't think that he, he was always lying, but Toby and Andrew, Toby and Andrew, Andrew Garfield deserves, I think, an Academy Award for just those interviews. He deserves all of the Academy Awards this season. <laughs> for for Tick, Tick, Boom, for Spider-Man No Way Home, and for all the, the Tick, Tick, Boom interviews where he lied about Spider-Man No Way Home. So, that was... We just cannot trust what actors say anymore. Truly, we cannot trust what an, an actor says. Um, but yeah, you know... Echo is going to have a lot of people from Daredevil. Uh, there are some rumors going around right now where um, it's like, oh, maybe John Bernthal's coming back as the Punisher. It's like, I, I don't think I believe that. I don't believe that for one second, that John Bernthal's coming back as the Punisher. And even if he did, look, as much as I love John Bernthal as Frank Castle... I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but you just can't do that. You cannot, with what, and it breaks my heart that the Punisher is, has come to symbolize police brutality and, and racism. That devastates me. And that, that that's what that symbol has come to, to represent. So... If he was, you couldn't have the, the symbol, or at least the classic symbol. He, he's got a new one now in the comics, but you couldn't use it. You really couldn't. There would have to be no redeeming qualities about him whatsoever. He would just have to be a, a straight-up psychopath murderer. You could not have... The thing where it's like, in, in his own twisted version of reality, he's doing the right thing. You, you, you can't do that now. It makes me really sad. It, it does. It, it makes me really, really sad that you can't do a, a, a Frank Castle story anymore. And so he'd have to be a straight-up villain, and he'd have to be killed off permanently at the end of that episode because i don't think that he could be a season-long villain he'd have to like be in just a, a, a villain of the week and i'd rather them, them just not bring him back i really would rather them just not bring back uh frank castle just because it'd be sad to not see a true continuation from from Daredevil and then his Punisher solo series, which I think is really solid. We might talk about the Punisher series after uh, we finish up all these um, these Fox movies. So, which by the way, there are also rumors that we're going to see um, 
one of the Punisher actors from the movie come back. It's like, no, I, I don't think it's happening. I, I don't think it's happening. It's especially not in, like, a movie. It'd have to be a series where you bring back the Punisher. But anyway, so let's just start off talking about Daredevil. This is going to be a long podcast, guys. It's going to be a long podcast. So starting off with episode one, Resurrection. Shattered physically and spiritually, Matt rethinks his purpose and place in Hell's Kitchen. Meanwhile, Fisk puts a plan in motion from behind bars. This one really was quite interesting to start off the season off the season for me because from what I remember not a whole lot of the other shows really it, none of the others really they, they acknowledged the events of the defenders but the defenders was not like a season 2.5 you know yes the Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Danny Rand were all big, like, they were all leads in that show. Without a doubt, they were all leads in that show. Very important characters. But you can't, you know, I I was really surprised with, like, oh, wow, they're really, like, going all in with with what happened to Matt after, at, at the end of that series. I thought it was really interesting. Um... I really love just like, and I'm going through like maybe like 25% of my total notes because I have like 20 notes for each episode. We're not going through all of them. Um, I really love what happened after Matt told Karen that he's Daredevil. When he was like, uh, I'm going to try and pull up the, uh, the quote if it's there on, if it's here on IMDb. Let's see if, uh, no, it's not there on IMDb, unfortunately, but... He's like, this, he just starts listing all these things that Karen's done in the last, you know, 12 hours. And he ends with, well, this is making you uncomfortable and I can tell because your heart rate has been steadily increasing. And it's like, oh my God, that is awesome. That's awesome. And it's something I really did want to see from the... Spider-Man trilogy, the MCU Spider-Man trilogy. We never really saw what happened with their relationship with, with like what happened between May and Peter after the end of Homecoming where she sees him in the suit. We never really saw that. Um he's, he has this great no he, he talks about the book of Job. He mentions the book of Job. And that is exactly what happens to Matt in season three. The story of Daredevil requires you to be broken down and beaten and destroyed every single day. So, yeah, the the book of Job is really, I think, a, was a great parallel for them to draw from for season three. And then there, there's this great line. In this episode. And it's sort of the exact opposite from what we typically see in stories like this. Where Matt says, I'd rather die as the devil than live as Matt Murdock. And that is so interesting. Because usually it's like, 
I'm done being a hero. I'm done being a hero. I'm just focusing on my own life. You know, on the relationships that I have with people. But here, he's like, no, these lives have come too close too many times. I have to drop one. And I can't live without Daredevil. So I'm leaving Matt Murdock behind. And that's an internal struggle that I really want to see be continued in the MCU moving forward. You know, I don't think that we'll necessarily see that in She-Hulk. Um, because he's only in two or three episodes of, of She-Hulk. He's, he's not a main character. He's like a recurring uh, cast member. He's a, a recurring cast member, but he's not a main part of the show. Uh, at least uh, according to what I've heard. So, I, I don't necessarily know if we'll see it in She-Hulk. Um, I know there are rumors floating around about him being in, in Armor Wars. I, I only see him being in like one or two episodes of Armor Wars. Much like the role that he played in No Way Home, just like maybe a bit more. But then like we get into Echo and then the proposed like soft reboot series. Which by the way, if they do a soft reboot series, you, you gotta keep the same cast, you gotta keep the same creative team. And it can't be six episodes. You can't have it be six episodes. Unless each episode's like two hours long. So I really want to see like 10 or 12 episodes because we know that they're doing 12 episode shows because we got the uh, Star Wars and or uh, spinoff coming this summer. That's going to be 12 episodes. So with Star Wars, they're definitely like like the the Star Wars shows that we've seen, you know, like the Mandalorian both seasons and I think season three also. They're all eight, eight episodes each. Book of Boba Fett is seven. Kenobi's six that's a part of Disney Plus where it's like, all right, the episode count is matching the story we're telling. Whereas I feel Disney Plus, with the exception of WandaVision, which was nine, and we know that She-Hulk is going to be 10. It's like, you are confined to six episodes. You are confined to six episodes. That's not better. That is not better. And I've said this before. Well, that will... that means that, that there's less filler. The ratio of filler episodes does not change. It does not change. I mean, there are still two filler episodes in, in Loki, and you're like, well, that's not a lot. Yeah, out of six. Out of six. And and I like f- filler episodes. I really like filler episodes. Um, I mean, it depends on, like, how the filler episode is done. Depends on how, on how the episode is done. But I think you can do a really, really good filler episode. Um, but two out of six, that's still one-third. That's one-third. So, yeah, I, I want more episodes in, in these shows. More episodes. Okay. We see Fisk back. Um... Fisk wants to make a deal. Fisk wants to make a deal. Um, I thought that was great. I love the the introduction of Ray Nadim. I think that he has such an interesting arc. 
What I love about this season in particular is in most Daredevil stories, it's just Matt Murdock who's broken down every single day. But here, it's everyone. Everyone is broken down and defeated on a daily basis except for Fisk. Except for Fisk. Fisk wins all the time. But, you know, like, Matt... Matt loses all the time. <laughs> Karen loses all the time. Um, Foggy. Foggy, you're like, Foggy's gonna be, I guess, like the one person who doesn't lose every day. And then he loses. Uh, because Fisk has, is holding his family hostage. You know, then you got the, the new characters like, like Agent Nadim and Dex. It's like, oh my god, like, Dex, Dex is such a heartbreaking character. Dex is such a heartbreaking character. So, Fisk Fisk wants to make a deal now, moving into episode two, please. Grieving for the life he's abandoned, Matt suffers a crisis of faith. Fisk makes a deal with the FBI that turns him into a target. Uh, Fisk sells... Fisk sells out all of his old contacts, and then he pays this other guy. Uh, what what was this guy's name? This guy's name was um, was Jasper. Uh, Jasper Evans. Jasper Evans. So I had to, to say Jasper Sitwell, but that's a character from the movies and Agents of Shield. Um, yeah, but he pays off Jasper Evans to stab him in prison to make him a target. So that Fisk can plan out this whole thing. I think it's genius. It's genius. I love Fisk so much. He's such a great villain. Um, what I really love is like Matt would just, Matt just like stands in the back of the church listening to people's prayers to see who he can help. Then he has this, this great line, I'm Daredevil, not even God can stop that now. I think that's just such a great line. It's a great line. Uh, Foggy's brother owns a butcher shop. I love that. The, the butcher shop joke, I think, is one of the best recurring jokes ever. It's so good. It's, it's just constantly brought back up, but like not brought up so much to the point of exhaustion. It's just like, it's exp- it's like mentioned two or three times in season one, and then it's like, and, and then it's, like, explained uh, about why in, um, toward the end of that season. And then it's mentioned season two. I think it's mentioned in Defenders. And now it's like, oh, his brother owns a butcher shop. I think it's great. Uh, Matt at the dry cleaners I thought was super interesting. Uh, he just gets right back into being Daredevil. Because, you know, he's not Matt Murdock anymore. He is only Daredevil. And... Foggy has this heartbreaking line. When Karen thinks that she saw Matt, she goes to talk to Foggy, and Foggy's like, no, Matt's dead. And do you want to know how I know it's definitely not Matt? Because if it was Matt, he'd have reached out to us. It's like, oh my god. My god, that is... That is hard. That is heartbreaking. Um... Um, Daredevil 
beats up some guys. And then a woman tells him, thank God for you. And he says, God didn't help you. I did. It's like, oh, oh my God. I'm saying, oh, oh, oh my God so much just because there are so many unexpected character moments. So many. Like we, we see, we're at the point now in the story of Matt Murdock where he has, he thinks that he's fully abandoned his faith. He firmly believes that he's abandoned his faith and he could not be more wrong. He could not be more wrong in that. So I, I don't know. I think it's really interesting. It's really, it's really interesting. And it's something that sort of drop after uh, this episode, I, I think. Or it's, it, it's early on they dropped that idea. Um, Poindexter saved Fisk. Say, he saved Fisk because uh, the Albanians... They, they were transferring Fisk to uh, the presidential hotel. Which, by the way, if you guys remember back to the first episode of Hawkeye, when they have the bl- the black market auction where the tracksuit mafia um, like tries to steal the watch, that was at the presidential hotel. So, yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, well, I mean, of course, because Fisk owns it, it's all because of Fisk. Um, Matt fully has his hearing back at the end of this episode. And the first thing he hears is that Wilson Fisk is out of prison. And then we get into episode three, No Good Deed. As Fisk moves into swanky new digs amid a public outcry, Matt wrestles with how far he's ready to go to right this wrong. Dex's aim comes into focus. Um, you could really see the, the fear on Fisk's face after the attack, because I don't really remember if, because there's just so much like criminal shadiness in, uh, in this season. I don't remember if he paid off the Albanians or if he was just counting on that happening or if he just is like. I don't know if, like, I'll get that close to death. And then he got super close. So, but, like, you could see the fear on his face. Um, the, the fact that Foggy and Marcy are dating makes absolutely zero sense to me. It makes no, no sense to me whatsoever. And I think it's really funny, like, whenever she calls him Foggy Bear, I, I think that's really funny because, you know, they got the Muppet uh, Fozzie Bear. Um, Matt has continuous visions of Fisk. No, I'm going to amend that. He has continuous vision of who he thinks his true enemy is. And, you know, for the most part, it's Fisk. But then we get to a point later on in the season where it's his own father, Jack. And we'll talk a lot more about that later on in the episode. But I really like how this about how Fisk and in that one case Jack they're never fully in focus during these scenes and then this vision Fisk has a great line you can't kill me 
You can't even kill yourself. Uh, thought that was a, such a cool line. So awesome. Uh, Dax has Dax brings f- food to Fisk. Bone, appetite asshole. That is, I I just thought that that was a, f- a funny line. Um, Dax has an interesting line after he kills the Albanians and rescues Fisk. When he's um being interrogated by his his superiors, he says, "If I wore a mask." then the press would be calling me a hero and said, I'm sitting here trying to justify my actions to you. And that is so true. Like even in the aftermath of the Sokovia Accords, which this is, they're they're never referenced, but yes, this is absolutely in the aftermath of the Accords. I thought that that was such an interesting line because it's really the closest that we really get to them referencing the accords in, in these shows um um so karen wants to be on the fisk case but ellison's like no you're way too close to it you can't do it it's very much a conflict of interest and then um she comes up with a solution and then on his his way out of her office elson just goes you know it took ben decades to become this much of a pain in my ass i thought that was so funny that was so funny i i love all of the character dynamics and relationships in this series because they feel real they feel genuine these feel like real people that's not something I can say about the rest of the MCU. I can say about I can say about most of the MCU. Most of the MCU feels like real people. Um, but Daredevil, especially in this whole cast of characters, they all feel so real, and I love that. Um, and one thing I just jotted down here is how the hell is the newspaper stuff in in this show? as interesting as the superhero element. And that's because it's just well-written. It's just well-written. And I think it's an important distinction. Like, you can do... Like, I think shows like this and movies like Joker prove that you can do really, really great uh, non-traditional comic book stories. Now, at the end of the day, yes, this is still a comic book series, but there's something deeper behind it. Calling this, like, just a superhero show is essentially the same thing as saying, oh, well, The Godfather's just a mobster movie. No, The Godfather revolutionized cinema. While the Daredevil series was never fully appreciated enough to revolutionize comic book television and my my dad never, so he he was like well what are are we watching next i'm like well so the sad thing is like you've seen the best of the best there's nothing we can do to top it <laughs> truly truly um but yeah <sighs> that wtf moment 
where we learn that Dex is stalking Julie. And I love that that idea is further explored more than he's a creepy pervert. It's explored more than that. And he's not even. He's creepy. But he makes it very clear he is not necessarily interested in a a sexual relationship with her. He just wants to be with her because she's a good person. So, I'm really glad that they, you know, they explored that relationship how they did. And that's also not something that they would do on Disney+. Plus. They would not do a story like that on Disney+. Plus. You would only be able to show him as being a, a, a sleazy pervert. So, that's one of the things I love about the show is that they, they didn't just do that. They made every character sympathetic. They made every character truly do what... And this goes back to seasons one and two as well. Every character always does what they believe in their own twisted version of reality is the right thing. Now, I'm I'm not saying by any means that stalking is the right thing to do. It's horrifying. But I think it's interesting that they explored it further. So, yeah. Um, Matt showed him, himself to Foggy. And that line where, where Foggy's like, this isn't real. And Matt just goes, it's real. That was our reaction between the week of like, you know, December 15th and December 22nd as Daredevil fans. When we had... You know, all the theories, all the build-up, and the end of Hawkeye episode 5 comes, and it's like, it's Kingpin. And then, like, the next night, the next night, is Spider-Man No Way Home, and we see, um, we see Charlie Cox. And then that Wednesday is, we see, uh, Wilson Fest, which I'm gonna do a podcast in the next few weeks about why I was wrong about Hawkeye. Rewatched this past week, and I was wrong about it. I'm going into all that a whole lot more on a later episode. There's way too much talk out here. Um, Matt tells Foggy to go F himself because Matt Murdock is a bad person. Not a bad person. It's just he's misguided. And Fisk at the end has, has a great line. So the devil is back. Now I'm going into episode four. Uh, episode four is called Blindsided. While Matt infiltrates a prison to find information on the Albanians, Fisk puts Dex in his crosshairs, and a fed-up Foggy goes on the uh, go- goes on the offensive. Offensive. <sighs> An eleven-minute one-shot. One-shot hallway that lasts eleven minutes. Oh my god, it, this, the end of this episode, not even the end of it, but just like the end of that, uh, that sequence reminded me of the Dark Knight. 
there are not many comic book properties I can say remind me of the Dark Knight. Now, to be fair, I'm going to be saying that probably in, in a couple weeks here when the Batman comes out. But remember, this came out in like October 2018. It's about three and a half years between Daredevil Season 3 and the Batman. So I'm just going to say that. It, it, it's rare. It is rare that I get like an a an emotional like reaction during a scene like this a scene that's like all action because it's mostly just about like oh my god it's just these characters coming back this great fan moment but no it's when the action is well written and all of it it's just beautiful it's beautiful um one thing i i love about foggy that's revealed here is that he never told Marcy that Matt was Daredevil, even after everyone thought that Matt died. Foggy always kept that secret. He really did. And Matt repays him by stealing both his wallet and identity. Uh, the sound design is perfect. Oh yeah. Cause we got, um, we've got like a mini home theater in the basement in, in our basement. And it's like, it sounded so real. So real. When, when, during that prison fight scene, it sounded so real. Cause like the surround sound was at full blast and it was visceral. Watching this episode was visceral. Um, last thing is how did Fisk switch out the cab driver? You know, assuming that they stop and stuff, but still, still. Um, Fisk protected Poindexter. It's like, what does Fisk want with him? Well, we're going to find out. Going into episode five, the perfect game to quell the raising, to, to quell the rising backlash over his release. Fisk serves up a scapegoat to the FBI. Dex miss Dex misses the mark when he runs into a, a woman from his past. So this episode um, is just all about, is, is this the one that was all about, yeah, this is the one that's all about um, Dex. So we're going to start with that stuff. Um, I loved how Fisk was like picturing um Poindexter's life. I thought that was so interesting. It was all in black and white. He was just standing there in the background. I, I love how they they made the, the use of the space with the lighting. Who directed this episode? Because, like, the director of this episode, like, I don't know what else they've done. All right, so it was directed by Julian Holmes. Julian Holmes has also directed a couple, couple episodes of Lost in Space. Uh, Daredevil, he directed an, an episode of Iron Fist Season 2. Uh, yet, he did a phenomenal job. Absolutely phenomenal job uh, with the direction of not just this scene, but this whole episode. This whole episode. Um... 
Dax just kills his coach. He kills his coach. I thought that was... We we saw it coming. We did. But what I didn't see coming, even on a rewatch like two years later, was how important the social worker became in his life. That, to me, was a very interesting dynamic. It was very interesting to get to see something like that. Um... So then we see that, like, Dex worked at the uh, NYC Suicide Prevention Center. Uh, which I thought was an interesting place for him to go work after After this. Um, he told people to kill though those who hurt them. So, like... I, he was just trying to, like, do what he thought maybe was justified. I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm trying to defend it, but that's how well-written all these characters are. Like, you want to defend them. You want to defend what they do, but what they do is horrible. I think it was absolutely horrible. Um, Dex got, got a date with Julie, but totally messed the whole thing up, which was sad. It was, it, that was a scary scene. That was scary. How that, how uh, Julian directed that, that scene. That, that was scary. That was scary. Uh, Karen tells Foggy that she killed Wesley. Uh, which was a great scene. Like, that's been building up for, like, a season and a half now. That whole thing. Uh, Dex's apartment was just, like, you know, full of... It, it, he just destroyed everything. Destroyed everything. Uh, and then the other thing is Fisk frames Matt. Fisk frames Matt in this episode. Uh, and that's something that's only in the next few episodes. It doesn't become a huge part of the season overall. Uh, yeah. Episode 6. Episode 6. The Devil You Know. Driven to the edge, Dex loses his way until he's offered a lifeline by Fisk. Matt comes to Karen for help, which she agrees to give on one condition. Matt just, like, sneaks into Karen's apartment and goes, Hey, Karen. And then she has this great line, You need to pay me back for your rent. Um. Yeah, so we're at a point now where, like, Fisk is just getting so much stuff. I'm just reading what I've written down, guys. Remember, it's just, like, 13 hours worth of stuff I have to remember. <laughs> So I don't remember every little thing that happens. Uh, just the stuff like I've written down. Um, Foggy's just such a great friend to Matt. You know, Foggy's just so wholesome. He's so wholesome. Uh, Fisk has the classic line, When I was a boy. When I was a boy. One thing that I didn't notice here when, when watching this, this season is... Wilson Bethel, who plays Poindexter, I'd love to see him play a variant of Batman. I'd love to see him play, like, a darker Batman, like, a Batman who kills people. Like, he's got the, the jawline for it. He's got the jawline for it. 
So I think that could be great. I think that would be really, really great. Uh, the FBI starts to investigate Dex. Karen finds Jasper Evans. Uh, but there's an altercation there, and Daredevil saves her. Fisk goes to Dex with a business opportunity, and Dex becomes the new Daredevil, aka Bullseye. Uh, we get this great fight at the New York at the Bulletin. Uh, Daredevil versus Bullseye. Oh my God, that was great. That was so great. This is like the first, the first person who I feel that this version of Matt Murdock has fought, who's a true match on a physical level. You know, is is Bullseye? Thing that's interesting. Thing that's really interesting. Um, Evans is killed, and then to put the final nail in the coffin of sort of framing Karen as well, uh, on camera, uh, Bullseye goes, hello, Karen, it's nice to see you again, it's like, oh my god, oh my god, it's great, it's great, so now, here we go, moving into the back half of the season, episode 7, Aftermath, this is, yeah, alright, uh, the press crucifies Daredevil after the attack on the Bolton, and Agent Nadim sus- suspects the FBI paid too high a price for Fisk's cooperation. Uh, Fisk has just so much art now, but he's still a prisoner. He has so much stuff in there, but he's a prisoner in name only. You know, I think that's super interesting. Um, Fisk has his whole own uh security system uh uh beneath his his bedroom um all the phones were ringing oh my god that was such a beautiful and intense scene because usually in stories like this the people who die are just collateral damage they're usually just collateral damage but when they have all the phones ringing and you see all the 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 text coming in like honey are 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 you okay you know it just that's humanized and made us care about everyone who just died and that that just goes to show how this this series in season three in, in, in particular is a masterclass in in storytelling in storytelling superhero hero stuff aside superhero aside it's a masterclass in storytelling uh nadim was lying to his son that made me sad because nadim all he wants was to be good dad uh melvin comes back Love Melvin. He's such a great character, I think. Uh, we know who Betsy is. Betsy, it was his uh, put. It was his parole officer. Um, and Matt calls it like it is. He, he says, "People died because you helped him, Melvin." Now, Matt wouldn't have said that in season one, season two, but he he says it here. He says that here. Uh, Nadim's on Fisk's trail. Karen gets fired because she won't reveal that Matt is Daredevil. 
thought that was super sad. Melvin betrayed Matt. I never saw that one coming. I never saw that one coming. But then, you know, Matt and Melvin together, they take on the FBI SWAT team. Then Matt leaves Melvin to take the fall for it. It made me sad. It made me really sad to see that. Uh, Fisk knows everything about Nadim. Um, Betsy, the parole officer, says to Matt, uh, assholes like you and Fisk are cut from the same cloth. I thought that whole speech was great. That, yeah, they are the same. They hurt the same number of people. Fisk attacks them, but then Matt drags more and more people into it. Um, after the Bolton, Karen just wants to go home. And she calls her her dad, but her dad's like, and now is not the best time. That made me really, really sad. Especially after the, uh, the Karen episode later on in the season. Um, Daredevil went to go and see Nadim. That's how the episode ended. So moving on into episode eight now. Upstairs, downstairs, a desperate Dex reaches out for help. Matt forms an uneasy alliance with Agent Nadim, and Karen concocts a dangerous plan to provoke Fisk. Okay. Started started off this, this episode with a whole bunch of Dex stuff. Uh, he just went right back to listen to the audio tapes. Uh, Nadim was starting to figure out that Dex is bullseye. Dex is still stalking Julie, but you know, he, I don't want to say get it the right way because there's no right way to stalk someone. It's, it's creepy. It's gross. Uh, but he, he did it out in the public, um, you know, and they had one conversation and then he made a goat sound. <laughs> that was a bit odd. It's a bit odd. Um, but I thought that was funny that that, that was funny. Uh, Karen's given up, or at least she tells herself that she's given up on stopping Fisk. A lot of characters tell themselves in this season they've given up on things. Like, Matt says that he's given up on God. Karen believes that she's given up on taking down Fisk. Foggy believes that he's given up on, on Matt. Both Dex and Nadim believe they've given up on being good people. But they're all wrong. You know? They're all wrong. And I thought that was... It just shows that, like, everyone... Like, the writers treat every character the same. In terms of what they go through. I'm not saying in terms of, like, well, they're all written and acted the same way. No, no, no. They're all given the same type of development. I think that is great. I think that's really, really great. Uh, Fisk has Julie killed, and that was so sad. That was so sad. You know, Dax was finally on the on the right path, and then Julie dies. It was devastating. Uh, Nadim get, gets Dex a lawyer so that he and Daryl can go and investigate his house. That was, that was manipulative. That was super, super manipulative. Uh, Matt can smell Dex's suit, though that was super cool. 
uh, it was super hard for Matt to get into a safe. Especially that safe. I believe that was the same safe that was, like, not exactly the same one. But the same sort of, like, model, the one that um, Hank Pym had in, in Ant-Man. The one that was, like, same metal as the Titanic. You know, it's much h- harder to crack. Um, yeah, but, like, I love, like, it's showing, like, not everything is super e- easy for Matt. You know, things have differing levels of uh, intensity, like, even for what he can do with his uh, enhanced senses. Um, Fisk texted Dex from Julie's phone, and that was, oh man, that set him off. That set him off. Uh, the fight between Daredevil and Dex in the hotel, I thought was awesome. thought that was awesome. Um... Uh, Foggy's public speaking has gone, has come so far since, I mean, even in season two, in season one also, he's a really good public speaker, he's got to finish it and not be like, oh shit, and then run away, (laughs) um, but yeah, yeah, I thought that that was all great, that was all awesome, uh, Karen goes to see Fisk, she confirms his suspicions that Matt is Daredevil, and then... She also tells Fisk that she killed Wesley. Dex destroys all his tapes. Uh, Nadine keeps on lying to his wife, and it's going to be a problem later on. And then Sister Maggie, conf- and then Sister Maggie is Matt's mother. Man. Um. Moving on now in episode nine, episode nine now. Um. Revelations. Matt's already shaky world tilts when he learns a shocking truth. Karen runs for her life. Nadim discovers how deep Fisk's influence runs. Uh, Matt finds Father Lantern, or F- Father Lantern at the bar playing pool. That was fun. Uh, he has this devastating line. He he has this devastating line. I thought no. I knew, I knew that I was alone. It's like, oh man, oh man, that's, that's, uh, that's sad. It's sad. I thought that Maggie's flashbacks were really interesting, showing her, her postpartum depression and how that just related to God. I thought that was a, a really interesting way to depict that, you know. Uh, Nadim's house call. He he went to to uh, Hatley's house, and then Hatley's been working for Fisk. Um, Maggie lost Matt twice, you know, uh, as a child. And then in this episode, when he he leaves, that that was a really interesting scene, a really heartbreaking scene. Um, instead of of a vision of Matt of Fisk in this episode, Matt gets a vision of his father. You know, in this moment, we see like 
the main villain in Matt's story is Jack Murdoch. Thought that was really interesting. So, I don't know, this is just what I thought. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm being vague right now. I just, we still got like four episodes to go. So, and we're already like over an hour. So, um, Foggy says, Peachy, I just like to make note uh, or take note of when MCU characters say the word Peachy. Uh, that's a, re- a reference to the uh, f- finale, the series f- finale of uh, of Agents of Shield. Peachy. Um. All right. After that. Um. Matt had a during Matt's conversation with the vision of his father. He says, "My old man chose his ego over a lifetime with his son." It's like that. It it's true. Like Jack's justification is that he wanted to see. He he wanted Matt to see his father win. And that cost him his life. Matt's gonna kill Fisk. We get the vision of him snapping Fisk's neck. The vision of him snapping Fisk's neck. Just Fisk has taken so much, so much from Matt. So Nadim is now indoctrinated into the uh, cult of Wilson Fisk. And um, they called him Kingpin. It's just something that's cool when... Um, and we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of this now. When we hear characters in the shows from Marvel Television refer to characters like names that have been spoken by an Avenger. You know, I, I just think that's super cool. I think it's cool. Just the interconnectivity of of it all. All these guys that Fisk has, it really did remind me a whole lot of uh, Hydra from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And the movies also, but mostly in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Kingpin killed Hatley's son. And like... It got so bad, like, she just, like, divorced her husband because she wanted him to get, like, as far away from this as possible. So, what Fisk has caused people to do beyond the death is is excruciating. It's excruciating. Um, uh, I got some tr- some lines here. Dex is having way too much fun with this. I don't know what that means. It's a trap. I'm not entirely sure. Um, Fisk meets with the people. Yeah, Fisk meets with the people. He had the feds arrest. Fisk meets with the people. He had the feds arrest. I'm not entirely sure what that that meant. Um, Matt breaks into Fisk's house or his suite at the hotel. He, he was able to sense the electricity of Fisk's control room. They were able to, to sense the electricity there. So that was super interesting. Super cool how they showed that. How, how Matt's powers increase this season. Where, like, he can sense more, like, vibrations. I thought that was super interesting also. I, I, I love that. I love that. Episode 10. Karen. Hunted by Fisk 
and haunted by mistakes from her past, Karen seeks refuge at the church. Matt finally gets his shot and Dex goes in for the kill. Remember when I said that filler episodes can be done really well? This was a very, very well done filler episode. This one was very, very well done. Um, got to see a lot of Karen's backstory. I'm not going to talk too much about that just because I don't really feel there's all that much there to, uh, to break down. Other than like Kevin reminds me a lot of Foggy. Kevin reminds me a lot of Foggy. Just in the way that like they, they both act. They both want truly like they both see so much potential in Karen and they want to see her fulfill that as much as she possibly can. So then we, we jump to the present. Um, Father Lantum, or Father Lantum has this great line saying, everything will, will, will be forgiven in the end. John Lennon said that, who are we to argue with the beetle? Um... The devil in the church, the 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 symbolism there was, uh, poetic. That that was poetic. Symbolism of seeing the the daredevil suit, being worn, in the church to commit, to execute the acts of the devil. That was poetic. Uh, Matt versus Dex in the church, was a great scene. That was such, be- it was so beautifully shot. Father Lantum dies. He says, forgive us. Forgive us. And then Matt's knocked un- unconscious and Karen holds Matt in a reverse from the comics where when Karen dies, he holds her. So that was a really interesting um, parallel. That was a super cool parallel. Episode 11, Reunion. Dex tries to run his prey to ground. Nadim's conscience kicks in, and Fisk looks to recover a gift from Vanessa seized during his incarceration. Um, the federal agents in the church, just that, that idea, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I, I know I at least sort of think, I mean, not, I think anything like, I guess malicious of this, but that sort of separation between church and state, you know, I guess in my mind, I sort of always felt like maybe they're not above the law, but there's less, but there's like less, not illegal activity because there has been some illegal stuff in the church without a doubt. But just the visual of seeing FBI agents pour into a church. That was, man, that that was intense. That was intense. Matt and Karen hid in the tomb. Uh, Fisk is fully free now. He turns the entire city against Daredevil. And I'm just going to say this. I feel like I should probably go into more detail of of this as well. Um, But this one specific scene reminded me a lot of Donald Trump. A lot of the, uh, uh, run me a lot of Donald Trump in that scene. 
Not in the way that he spoke. Not in the way that he spoke. But in the words that he, that he said. And the message he was trying to convey. And that's where I'm going to leave that. That's where I'm going to leave that. Uh, Nadim is just not good at playing both sides. Uh, Sister Maggie knows that Dax is playing Daredevil, and then she has the the younger the younger nun lie about where uh, Daredevil went. Foggy's brother called Wilson uh, Mister Fisk, called Kingpin Mister Fisk. Um, Foggy helps Matt escape the the church. I thought that whole scene was brilliantly executed. That scene was brilliant. Because it, just the, the way the whole thing was executed, it was all executed perfectly, perfectly. And just, I'm not even going to talk about it because like, I could spend a full podcast breaking down that one scene, maybe not a full podcast, but a full 15 minutes, I could spend breaking down that scene. Okay, moving on. Uh, Fisk oversees the reclaiming of Rabbit in the Snowstorm. But he doesn't oversee the murder of Karen Page. And this is where we start to see, like, anything that's important to his life with Vanessa, he will oversee that. He'll oversee that. And I loved the rab the rabbit in the snowstorm's connection to World War II. And I love that Fisk let her have it. He let her keep the painting. I thought that was actually really, really quite cool. And it showed the hum the human side, the human nature of Wilson Fisk. Um Fisk knows what Nadim did, and then the guy that told him that, uh, he's just like, you heard the face bone, you heard the face bone crunch, you heard that crunch, um, then, then, um, Sorry, I got distracted for a second. Um, okay, the the buzzing in Dex's mind until he just screams. He just screams. It's like, oh my god. Oh my god. Just like so much humanity behind every line of dialogue, behind every scream prevails in Daredevil. Um, Nadim's house. That was so cool. So, so cool. Uh, that whole scene. Uh, Matt saves N- Nadim. He goes, well, obviously, I'm here to help you. And then he reveals himself. Daredevil reveals that he is indeed Matt Murdock. Okay, moving to the final two episodes now. We're moving in the final, the final two. Episode 12. Episode 12. One last shot. Fisk's long-awaited reunion doesn't go as planned. Nelson and Murdoch take on a new client who holds key information on 
Kingpin. Vanessa's back. And why are the Nadims... Well, I guess now I know, but at the time when I wrote this, I uh, forgotten. You know, it's like, why are they still in New York? Why are they still in New York? Nelson and Murdoch, attorneys at law, they are back for one last case, defending Nadim in court. They've set up in Foggle's gym. Love that. Um, Foggy's got a great line with... Uh, 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 Tower with Tower, uh, is just saying, I'm as familiar with my phone as you are with the ignore call button. That was a really funny line, really funny line. Uh, Nadim took the deal, and he's also just like Matt Murdock. He's just, or not Matt, Jack Murdock. He chooses his own ego over spending time with his son. You know? I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a really, really cool way to depict that. Uh, Fisk knows that Nadim's going to testify. Allison gives Karen a hug. uh, And Karen's using herself as bait for Fisk. So that he goes for her instead of Nadim. Uh, Rabbit in a snowstorm is back. Rabbit in a snowstorm is back. And because Dex killed the woman. And it, Vanessa sees the blood on the on the frame of the portrait. Uh Matt hears everything that Nadim that Nadim said. Oh and he he told him when and where to shoot in the um in that shootout. That was awesome. That was awesome. He told him when and where to shoot. And that sort of thing was like that line, like you're pointing the gun, but you're not pulling the trigger. You point the gun, but you don't pull the trigger. Where where does that fall in your, your morality? Um, Nadim's like punches out foggy after Fisk gets to the jury. It's like, oh my God, they had one last shot. One last shot is the title, the, the, the title of the episode. Um, Vanessa tells Fisk to kill Nadim and have Dex do it. Uh, when Dex and Nadim have that, have that confrontation, Dex used the sympathy skills that he learned from his, um, from his social worker. And then he kills Nadim in the pool that he was going to build for his son. And at the end, when it's revealed that Nadim dies, Matt storms out of Fogwell's gym and Foggy is like, no, don't, don't kill me. You can't yet. And then Matt goes, no, we tried it your way. Tried it your way. Episode 13, A New Napkin. Matt prepares to cross the line as Dex becomes more dangerous than ever and Fisk enacts his endgame. So now, here we go. Here is the end of Daredevil. Here we go. Here's the end. Fisk still sees his younger self with the hammer when he looks in that mirror. It's a great callback. Great callback. Vanessa has this 
beautifully written line. Um, when Fisk tells her, I am a broken man, Vanessa. She says, we're all broken. The trick is to find someone whose broken pieces fit with yours. Matt go, goes after Felix Manning, but doesn't kill him. He's only going to kill Fisk. He is not going to kill anyone else, just Fisk. Um, Seema, N- Nadim is in. She's in. Love that. Uh, she gives Foggy Ray's phone. Uh, Nadim's dying declaration is admissible in court, and I, I love that. Just like that scene is so cool. It's so, so cool. Uh, Dex finds Julie's body in a freezer and brought her, her body to the, um, the sort of that final confrontation. Fisk got married. N- Nadim's testimony went live. Dex's toast, I thought was really funny. That was such, such a, or it was all, not funny, but both ironic and terrifying. Yeah, it was both ironic and terrifying. Um, he doesn't let, so Dex is going after both Fisk and Vanessa and Matt needs to be the one to kill Fisk and he's not going to let Vanessa get hurt. Okay. Going on now. Uh, Dex killed Hatley. He killed Hatley. I really liked Hatley because I, I think Hatley was humanized very, very well. She was humanized really well. And I was sad to to see her go. Um, the The police got to the presidential hotel so quickly. So, so quickly. Um, this final, this final scene, I'm just going to read. No, I, I, this final scene. So there were some videos that went around on YouTube, some video essays about the MCU around when Endgame came out called One Marvelous Scene called one marvelous scene it's like you break down the best scene of the mcu and a lot of them like not a lot but a good number of them focused on this scene from daredevil when the rabbit in a snowstorm is bloodied it's bloodied (sighs) matt puts his hands around Fisk's neck, tries to snap, tries to kill him, but he couldn't do it. And he just goes, you, you want me to kill you? No prison can keep me. You know that. Come on, kill me. And then Matt goes, no, God knows I want to, but, but you don't get to destroy who I am. You will go back to prison. You will spend the rest of your miserable life in a cage, knowing you'll never have Vanessa. That this city rejected you. It beat you. I beat you. You'll keep my secret. And you won't harm Karen Page or Foggy Nelson. Or anyone else. Because if you do, I will go after your wife. And I will prove Vanessa ordered the murder of Agent Ray Nadim. And like her husband, she will spend the rest of her life in a cell. And that 
that is I, I I would agree that is the greatest scene in the MCU. That scene that has nothing to do with superheroes. That scene has to do with humanity. The humanity of one man after everything that's happened of vowing to himself to cross that one line that he swore he never would. He's about to do it. He's about to do it. And as as a Catholic my, myself, I feel like I should mention that Matt thought that he'd given up on God. But it's here in this moment where we see that even though Matt believed that he he gave up on God, God never gave up on Matt. God never gave up, gave up on Matt. And I really do wonder, you know, this is a topic for another, a whole nother podcast, but does, do, do God and Jesus exist? Did they exist in the MCU? Because we've met higher powers in the MCU before, regardless of the Asgardians, because Asgard is treated as aliens. They're treated as aliens. I mean, we've met Arisham. That's the thing, like, how does the that hierarchy work between Arisham, between the Watcher, between and then the, the TVA? with Kang at the helm of that. Who controls who? I'd say that, like, the TVA controls Arisham because, um, you know, Arisham is a universal being, whereas Kang and the TVA, they are all multiversal beings. Then the Watcher. You got the Watcher there. I don't think that Uatu's really been around all that long. I don't think that he really came into existence until after the end of, of Loki. But, you know, that that's just like... And we, we, we don't know what the TVA's new mission is going into Season 2. But then within all that whole hierarchy of power, where would God fit in? Where, where would God fit into that? Is that from a Doctor Strange-type multiverse where there's, like... It's more like the dark dimension. I'm just, just as an example. Like, I don't think it would be like, I'm not saying the heavens, the dark dimension or anything, but still it's an interesting, uh, notion. I, th- I think at least. So as Fisk is arrested, he tells Vanessa, Vanessa today was the happiest day of my life. He, he's still committed to that. Yeah. Father Lantham's funeral, which I think is a beautiful scene, beautiful scene. Foggy's wrong, though. He calls Matt a a semi-decent lawyer. No, 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 no. He's a really good lawyer. He's a really good lawyer. Nelson Murdoch and Page is is alive. Nelson Murdoch and Page is is alive. As is Dex as Bullseye. That would have been season four. So season four would have been more Dex-focused. Like Daredevil versus Bullseye. Much... Much like uh, season two was with Daredevil versus Punisher. And then season five would have been the final confrontation between uh, Daredevil and Kingpin. 
I would have, I'd love to see seasons four and five happen on Hulu in a couple years. Because I've said before on this podcast that, um, I said this on last week's show, you can do a good amount of what this show did with the TV 14 budget, with the TV 14 rating. You can't do all of it. You'd have, have to cut out a lot of the blood, but you could still do it. That may maybe change up some of the darker tones. Um, Hulu, though, where you could go uh, mature. I love that. I think that could be really, really solid. That could be so solid seeing that. But yeah, guys, that's going to be it for the podcast today. Gone from about 90 minutes now. 90 minutes. Um. Yeah, thank you so, so much for listening. Next week's podcast is Deadpool 2. <laughs> I've said it for a while. Next week is Deadpool 2. We're talking about Deadpool 2. Then we're going into the X-Men movies, then some Fantastic Four. Then we got Multiverse of Madness, guys. We're so close to Multiverse of Madness coming out. It is absolutely insane. It's insane that we're getting Multiverse of Madness so soon. Uh, if, if you want to send in feedback, send it to at anothermarvelp1 on Twitter. Or send in an email, anothermarvelpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. I am Drew Gretsch. And when I was a boy...